Welcome to After the Buzzer. This is Ian Busby coming at you today on the show. Danny and I are chatting about the big Stampeders win over the BC Lions. One of the most complete victories I've seen them have in many years. They used to have a lot of those, uh, but uh, now it they put all things together. They won, especially on special teams. Defense was solid. Offense got the job done. And now you wonder what the heck is going on with the BC Lions. Uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders were idle last week, and now that's the opponent for the Stampeders coming up this week. It's going to be an interesting game coming up at McMahon Stadium, but a lot of it's happening around the league with the Edmonton Elks having um, more, uh, making more news by trading quarterback Trevor Harris to the Montreal Alouettes. There was only three games this weekend. We don't really touch much on some of the other ones. Andrew Harris going out against the uh, Edmonton Elks. Um, puts a little bit of a question mark around what the Blue Bombers are going to be doing, but they don't really need to win any more games. They just need one more win, and they'll win the West Division. It's going to be uh, very much set in, in stone. It's going to go like this. It's going to be Saskatchewan and Calgary battling it out for second. Whoever wins that West semifinal is going to go into Winnipeg. That's going to be a great game. And the other stuff is yet to be decided, but I feel like Toronto is going to host the West East semifinal or sorry, the East final. And, uh, and I think Montreal has a chance now. It looks to me like if they can get some good quarterback play, they will be second in the East division and all question marks comes down to one game, one game a week. CFL playoffs are great. I'm getting excited for them. They seem a long way away yet, but, uh, Danny and I are going to break it all down, coming right now. All right, Danny, we uh, have just passed week 12 in the CFL, so we're heading into the home stretch right now. And I want my question to you was, is that the most complete Stampeders victory, uh, being that they beat the BC Lions the other night? Uh, the most complete Stampeders victory since when? Because I can't remember one, obviously not this year, uh, 2019, I don't remember them being that convincing. So when was the last most complete victory that they had like that? I mean, it's interesting. Score-wise, I mean, you got to go back to those 2018, 2017, 2016. I mean, they beat Hamilton 60-1 to at one point, I believe. Oh, that was one of my most fun games I've ever witnessed, actually, yeah. so... Um, they had some pretty pretty big wins there. I mean, 2018 Great Cup, the scoreline was only like 2016-17. But, right. like, that was pretty comprehensive. But, yeah, like this, I mean, I, I will be honest with you. I was talking to another reporter uh, yesterday, and they were like, anyone who doesn't think the Calgary Stampeders are the second-best team in the league right now is tricking themselves. Because, I mean, that was – their defense is doing – I mean, we've been talking about their defense for, for a month now, so that's no that's no surprise. But – they got the turnovers that they didn't have. They got those interceptions. Special teams, which has been incredible, actually got, I mean, one of the coolest, like that kick return touchdown by Rock Thomas was unbelievable. Um, that was not like a hole opened up and he ran through it. There were like six no. times he was going to get taken down. And then um, great block by Nick Stats. And then honestly, like other than getting into the end zone, which the offense still needs to work on, but that's something that, you know, will come. I, I honestly believe it will come. Um you know, they had no Kamar Jordan, they had no Josh Huff, and they still put up crazy yards. Like, they, they, yeah, that looked, that was a full team performance, and they dominated in all three phases. And 
that was a game that BC had time to prepare for. They were they should have been healthy and they just couldn't compete. So for me, it's like I stamps have five games left on the schedule. Starts with the Riders this weekend. If they win after this weekend, like because that's the thing. Like if you lose this weekend, things change. I still think they're getting third, but if you lose this weekend, it's going to be awfully hard to get second. I just I think if they beat the Riders this weekend, this is the second place team in the West. So yeah, the, the Stamps have four games left. Actually, the Riders have five games left because they're coming off their bye. Uh, the Stamps. We said, yeah, we said this last uh, podcast that the Stamps are really good against teams when the the op the opponent is coming off a bye. So <laughs> that makes no sense, right? And that was what you looked at the BC game. They went in, they got hammered by Winnipeg at home. You expected kind of okay, that was understandable. They go into a bye, they come out of that bye, and then they just get destroyed by Calgary. It's like that feels like a that team is a sinking ship, and it looks like Michael Riley is just not the player he used to be, and he's not adapting to his kind of older, older part of his career, the twilight years of his career, right? It's so weird because like this is something that you know a better reporter than me would be able to articulate. But like I've always felt like what Bo was best at was getting you the the yards that he needed. Like ever, you know, people talk about Bo the gunslinger, all this, and to a certain extent, it's true. But in part because the Stampeders have been so dominant, like yes, he can throw those thirty-yard bombs. But that's more of what I thought. Like Mike Riley was the best long ball guy in the league. Bo was like, I don't want to say managing the clock because that underplays it, but like he just can get you the yards. He gets you the first downs. Michael Riley doesn't do that at all anymore. Like it was, he either like hucks him 25 yards and it's like, you need six. Right. Why are you, like, why are you against this Stampeders defensive back group? Like the riders showed that as good as this defense is, I mean, you can normally get five or six yards of play and it's, you know, dinking and dunking and it's not how anyone wants to play. And it leaves very little room for error in a three down game. But like, that's the only way to beat them. You're not beating them consistently downfield. And Mike Riley, like there was just no, Honestly, like he either got taken down, threw the ball away, or threw it thirty yards. Like that, like they don't do what you need to do to win football games. Yeah, and, and it, he just and he doesn't seem to have the ability to scramble away from that pressure and extend those plays and allow those deep balls to open up. Because that's what he it felt like before. You know, before the pandemic season lost and everything, he would he would scramble around, make some things happen, buy some time, and then huck it deep. And now he can't do that as much, and he's just getting taken down a lot. And uh, it just—it looks like he's going to have to adjust his game or uh, figure something out, or else he's going to end up being the next Trevor Harris. And we're going to get into that in a minute. Well, first, we'll get into that. I mean, I will say that Michael Riley will never be the next Trevor Harris because there was a stretch where Michael Riley was arguably the best quarterback in the CFL, and, Mike, yeah. and Trevor Harris has never been that. Um, but like I. It's tough because, I mean, you do have to go back. You and I talked about this before the season, and then, you know, the Lions got off to a good start, so it felt like maybe we were wrong on the Michael Riley thing. And I don't – I mean, I, you just feel bad saying a guy's a bad quarterback or that he's lost it. But it's been a couple of years since he's really, like, really been that guy. And, I mean, we blamed it all on the O-line in 2019, that sort of Devon Claybrook's team. Um, but he did take a lot of sacks. You wonder if he took damage. I mean, he's an older guy and like, I'm not saying you can't win with him, but, um, you can't win with him the way the lines are built right now. And I just, he just doesn't have that composure. Like um, they were only down 16, six or whatever going into halftime. Like that second half, 
that second quarter, they didn't have a single first down. Like, <laughs> right. Like, so you're just two and out, two and out, two and out. And that is not the way to put your defense in any particular stretch to make them succeed either. If they're just going to be on the field and your punt unit is out every third play. Right. So. Well, and like you want to sit here and say, well, you know what, when they had lucky whitehead, so you had whitehead Burnham. So it wasn't as easy for defensive backs to kind of like key in on stopping Burnham, you know, that, and maybe that was the difference, but Bo didn't have Kamar Jordan or, or Huff, and he still moved the ball. He got Luther Hackenabanu involved. Also, TSN should learn to say the guy's name. It's not that hard. It's literally just pronounced the way it's spelled. I've said this a couple times. I'm going to say it now. It's Hakunavanu. It's not that hard. No, uh, it's not that. It's not that difficult a name. If I can, if you can look at it and Hakunavanu, yeah, it's not the worst. <laughs> I was covering UFC. I had to cover Joanna Jed Jacek. That was hard. That is a mouthful. <laughs> that was, um, th- there was Z's. There were like Z's followed by J's in there. It was nuts. Spelling that was a nightmare, but you learned to do it. That's the job. Um, but so that's the thing. Like just not having Whitehead, that cannot be an excuse for for the Lions. And I mean, I, I will say that we're, we're focusing on the quarterbacks and rightfully so. But this was not like it wasn't just Riley. They got the, the Stampeders beat. The Lions flat out every area of the field. You can't find me an area where the Lions were better. Um, and I look back and were we wrong about Mike Riley? Well, the Lions beat the Stamps when Bo was pretty messed up. They had a lot of time on the field because, you know, Bo had a fractured fibula through four interceptions. A lot of opportunities. They still didn't blow them out. No. They beat, yeah. Still can't do one possession. Yeah. And then they beat the Red Blacks twice. And there's another win in there that I'm not counting i'm not seeing right now and that's montreal not- yeah they montreal. went into montreal and beat them yeah credit you know what a win over montreal is a win over montreal is that, that's, a, that's a good win over a mediocre team um but i just for me I, i've said this i just this isn't even me saying i think the stampeders are great which to be honest i think they might be but this is me saying the lions are smoking mirrors as far as i can tell they just there was nothing on that field a football team coming out of a bye should not get dominated like that they should have a plan b they should at least in the early in the first quarter have had stuff that's just going to work against the Stampeders. And with the exception of one nice pass to Brian Burnham, they didn't. That's no. just like, that team's not, that team, I just, with this many games left on the schedule, I just don't see them outlasting the Stampeders. Yeah. Well, so, and now the Stamps have the upper hand. They're uh, five and five, BC at four and five, and then Saskatchewan five and four. So it's going to basically, as you said, come down to this game against, uh, uh, the big game in Calgary this week, Saskatchewan coming back. Uh, <laughs> you you have two trips to BC in a matter of a month, and Saskatchewan had two trips to Calgary in, a, in less than a month too. So it's it's weird how that schedule worked out. Um, do you think the fortunes change for the Riders against the Stamps um, coming back in the third? This is their third straight game against Calgary. They had a bye week, so they didn't have a, a week off against anyone else. So. Uh, how do you see that game shaking out? And is Calgary going to change anything up? Is is Jordan going to get back? Are they going to get some sort of a boost in that direction? Um, well, so first of all, they will have Josh Huff back. It sounds like that was um, food poisoning. Right. Um, yeah. So that, like, and that was sort of a last minute change. Um, all right. So it's Sask plus one. Um, in that game. So, okay. I'm going to answer your question directly rather than dilly dallying here. Um, if the riders are, are good at like they should, they should win this game. 
Um, they've had the time off. They've had lots of tape. Uh, both games against the Stamps were close. Um, so, you know, the margins are, are clearly pretty slim. Um, I will say that, again, the Stamps are getting better and better. And as far as I can tell, they did not pick up any significant injuries. Um, so, like, everything to me says this is a game that if the Riders are who they think that they are or who they want to be or who the National and Saskatchewan media has said that they are, then the Riders should finish this. The problem is, like, the Stamps still have Mike Rose. They still, like, they're still going to destroy that O-line. Um It'll be interesting. Obviously, the Riders should have Duke Williams and, and Shaq. Like, that's that's a, a legitimate long ball threat. But I think if you're the Stampeders with the way the defensive backs are playing right now, Duke's tough because Duke's just bigger than CFL DBs, so he should be able to jump over some of them. But you're like, yeah. oh, you want to test us long, test us long. Other teams have tried. It doesn't work out very well. Um, so I'm going to be curious. I mean, this, the Riders should win this game. Um, and I'm I'm – I don't know that they do, but I think that, like, if you were to break it down on paper, consider all the other factors, um, the Riders should win this game. Yeah, and it's it's almost in that must, like, nothing's must win, obviously. It looks like, like, two of the three teams between Saskatchewan, Calgary, and BC are going to be in the playoffs, so it's this isn't must win. But if you want to host a playoff game, this is how you do it. You've got to w- take care of the business in this game. Uh, and whoever plays at home, I think, is going to be much happier in that uh, that West final or West semifinal because that's going to be end of November. That's going to be the usual Grey Cup week. That's going to be the West final week, right? It's going to be cold. The playoffs are going to be um, dicey. You know, we can get a nice day in Calgary in December, but uh, we can also get a the nastiest day of the year in November in Calgary. So who knows what it's going to be. 100%. I mean, look, the, the home game matters. I think that, like, we're coming off a year where the Bombers got hot at the right time and um, won two, well, three games on the road to win the Grey Cup. So it's not everything, but it does matter. Um, it's just, if we're going to talk about the Bombers getting hot, Stampeders, I've repeated this, and it's like, it's so hard for me not just to be sort of almost universally positive about these Stampeders teams, but, like, both Huffnagel and Dickinson said they were going to start slow and they were going to build and that they wanted to be a Grey Cup contender basically by shortly after Labor Day and get hot going into the playoffs. That's what is happening. I will maintain that I believe that if they were mapping it out, they would have expected to win one, maybe even two, despite their inexperience and despite needing to do the work against the Argos or the Lions. I think that they thought they would win one of those games. So I think they were one game back of where they thought they might be. So like they were two and five and they thought they'd be three and four or something like that. You know what I mean? But um, it's going according to plan for the Stampeders. Like I, I, I honestly believe that it is. Um, and if you are the Bombers right now, you're probably looking and saying, okay, a playoff game against the Stampeders one way or another is going to be incredibly low scoring. And it's going to be a battle between the two best defenses in the league um and it's whichever team's offense is able to improve and sort of get an extra three to four points in a game um in the playoffs because i think that's going to be the difference i just don't i think that the stampeders defense is good enough that you can't outright say that the bombers despite their incredible record despite how well they're playing would blow them out right now i just don't think it's i don't don't think it's true 
Yeah. And with the Bombers now have a question mark with Andrew Harris leaving that game against uh, Edmonton on the weekend. And their, their other biggest question mark is their kicking game because it, it's just atrocious. And you know how important that can be. You miss a couple of key things in, in the kicking game. Uh, it can really burn you. Uh, <laughs> the Stampeders have the d- decided edge when it comes to that. Um, I mean, when it's like it's, You've you've covered kickers. The part like I want to write about how great Winnie Paradise has been this year. The problem, and this is like this isn't even a trade secret. I'll be open about this. Renee is much better when he misses at doing media than when he's hitting because he doesn't want to jinx it. So yes. it's so hard to do a like Renee's on a heater story. Yeah, because he he's like very quiet and reserved, and it's just like that's how kickers are. I'm not like, it, but it's Renee Paradise is like the, one of the biggest assets these Tim Peters have. <laughs> yeah uh and it yeah he he missed the game winning would have been a game winning one from more than 50 in winnipeg that's how close these two teams were earlier in the year and that was when jake Mayer was the quarterback for the stamp so it's you know I, I i would say the bombers would like someone else to take care of the stampeders for them so that would be what i would say we joked about it last week but it's where that that saskatchewan reporter Sat down at the bar post game and looked at me, and he was like, "The Riders, like they just needed to win one." <laughs> like again, I don't watch pro wrestling, but it's like when the Undertaker just sits up, and you're like, "Oh no!" <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> we could have poured the cement on him, but we didn't, right? Exactly. <laughs> and now, yeah, and now you're done. But and I don't know. Look, I, I honestly have too much respect for this Bombers team. Uh, although I know we're going to talk about various things like they're, they're still the best team in the league. And I'm not trying to say otherwise, like until proven otherwise, they are just playing at such a high level and they're incredible. I'm just saying that like the fact that the stamps went from two and five to five and five and beat supposed rivals needs to be taken seriously. And it needs to be acknowledged that it was sort of part of the plan. Cause that's the thing. Um, it's why, I think it was Jameer Thurman was like, we were never worried. Like we were never worried. Um, And I I honestly think that internally, yeah, one or two of those losses, they would have liked to have wins. Um, But like, they always believed that they were going to emerge as a contender by season's end. And here they are not a minute too late or too soon. I don't know what the expression is there. Right. Uh, Well, it just feels like sometimes we don't talk about the Bombers enough, but it's because they are so good. There's not really much to dissect there. Um, If Harris is out any length of time, I think they're probably just going to get him ready and bring him back for the playoffs. Um, You give him a game or two. They don't really need to win any more games. They they win one more game. They've clinched first place. I think that's how it goes. Uh, By my map, anyway. The Riders can get to 10. Yeah. Yeah. The Bombers are the the best team in the league. And like... um, it's, I mean, part of why I probably am resistant, like, you know, here I am doing self, you know, self-analyzing, whatever you want to call it, like, is because everyone else talks about them so damn much that I just don't feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I mean, I've I mean, been through these seasons in Calgary, too, where dominant. the were clearly the best team, and you knew it was going to come down to a playoff game, and you didn't like necessarily think, Oh, they're just going to roll through and win the gray cup because that doesn't always happen. Right. It's the CFL and the playoffs and you can catch them on a bad day. And, you know, you can just get a bad bounce here or there and win a game. Like it's, it doesn't mean that they're, they're unbeatable. It just means that they're going to have the best chance to get into the gray cup being at the point. And what would make the bombers like, okay, two things. If they were undefeated right now, 
then you start talking about can they go undefeated and then you know guys like me just to troll everyone in winnipeg start saying oh it's an asterisk anyways because it's a shortened season you know uh, <laughs> but like you know they don't have that like people will talk about them being historically dominant that's fine i, I will be honest with you i think they are look if they win two in a row we put them in that historic context you have to winning two great cups in a row is friggin' hard um even Probably. especially when it's um, separated by a full year, that didn't happen, right? Exactly. Uh, what's going to make me most interested in talking with the Bombers is if their next opponent is a team that I think can beat them. Um, and right now, that's probably only the Stampeders, and they don't play until the last game of the season when the Bombers are clearly going to rest players because Michael Shea's not a moron. Um, right. And like, so I'm sitting here and I'm dying for that. I would love if instead of the Riders this weekend, although this is a fun game too, because I love the idea that all of Saskatchewan is just going to have a fit. Um, but I would love right now, for me being able to try to evaluate where the Stampeders at, are at, I would love to see them play the Bombers. Like, that would be fascinating to me, but we don't get it and that's okay. And it it could possibly build. I mean, if the Stamps beat the Riders, all of us just have that West Finals circuit on our calendar. Okay, all right, here we go. I do too, because that'd be a really fun week to go hang out with the uh, Winnipeg reporters who are as much as fun a group as possible um, in Winnipeg this time. But um, that's the heavyweight tilt right now. Mm-hmm. That, that's the one. Um, what's going to be fun coming down the stretch is the Argos. Like I will tell you that that reporter I talked to who said the stamps are number two. Well, the Argos have every right to say, well, we're number two. Right. It's like, all right, well, there's a bunch of games on the schedule for these other Western teams where I'm looking at it and I'm being like, well, the Argos is a probable win for Western team a or Western team B prove me wrong. If you're the second best team in the league, but like the contenders are emerging. Exactly. Uh, So going from the best team in the league to the worst up in Edmonton, uh, is it a surprise to you that it unraveled as quickly as it did with Trevor Harris and, then they move him to to Montreal. It was it was like okay, they put him on the trade block. Okay, he's gone, and they got essentially a nominal piece back of, in import defensive lineman or linebacker. I don't even know. I mean, he's young. He's a young defensive end. I mean, he's he, he's a real player. Um, okay. um, I'm sure that that's not what they wanted. At the same time, like they were probably the talk was that they didn't want to give up a first round pick and it was like okay well we're not giving up a canadian asset for a quarterback you want to get rid of so clearly that was the the move there but it it this one this move felt a lot like when jason moss uh got ousted in hamilton and that was the reason there was casey printer signed mid-season this was 2007 and Jason Moss got moved to Montreal and it was like, okay, kind of a career backup who's had a little bit of a taste of this as a starter and not been that great. We're going to get rid of him as soon as possible. And that not, I think Moss was maybe even better than Trevor Harris. Um, he certainly was in 2005 when he helped the Eskimos get into the great cup. This is ancient history for a lot of people, but. Um, uh, I actually, it's, it's nice putting it in historical context. This is stuff I don't have from that era. So I think it's really. Actually- yeah. Well, and, and that's what it felt like it, because it was like, Jason Moss was a, got to be a starter, and then they brought in Casey Printers, and now Edmonton bringing in like they don't even have a legit number one or anything like that. They're just like, you know, we're going to move on, and they just completely move on quickly from Trevor Harris. It uh, it seems like Montreal looked at that situation and was, if 
Vernon Adams Jr. can't come back in any huge capacity. We just want someone there in case it goes bad for Matt Schiltz or Schiltz or I can't remember how to say his name, but who had a decent game against uh, Ottawa. But again, it's like you don't know if he's going to be able to get them in, and they still believe that they they can be second in the East. So um, they should believe that it's sitting there. Yes, um, it's it's there for the taking. Um, and if you got second in the East, I mean, I again, I think this Argos team, I know they surprised you. Uh, I said they were going to be good, but I didn't. I still don't know how good they are. So I'm not trying to be like, I was right. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to see them beat somebody convincingly uh, too. So the fact that they beat the Bombers is legitimately interesting, but that was a long time ago. Um, yeah. But like, th- that's the thing. The Argos are beatable, right? Like, if you're sitting there and you're like, hey, we got a shot at going to the Grey Cup, make this move. Um, there's no bigger disbeliever in Trevor Harris than me. That dates back a long, long time. Um, I don't think that they got this superstar quarterback. Uh, at the same time, when the Bombers got Zach Laris, I didn't think that they were getting a superstar quarterback either. Um, <laughs> I mean, but the interesting thing to me here is it was only two a season and a half ago where Edmonton made this huge investment in Trevor Harris. You know, he's obviously like, this matters, but like he's like center to all their marketing materials. He is supposed to be sort of their franchise player. Um, I have no inside information. There's just no way that these like tiny rumors you hear about the locker room and, and, and Harris, there's no way that that's not true. If they're trading him like this, like if he's just a veteran having a bad year and you want to get a look at your young guys, but you believe in him and you believe that he's a, he's a fit, he's a leader in your organization. You don't trade him right now. Um, no, you don't. I mean, you got a lot of salary off your bucks and maybe that's part of it, but um, I don't know. I, I don't think that, like, I don't think that Trevor Harris is the piece that pushes the, Alouettes over the top. I think that the way he's played this year, I don't even necessarily know that he makes you better. But as far as a low cost piece of insurance, why not? Yeah. Um, and it, not? it kind of goes back to what he was when he when they were successful in Ottawa, was he was the backup to Henry Burris. And that was um like I'm I'm thinking back to 16, obviously, and then 17, 18, he takes over. Um and they yes, were. Good, you know, but I don't yeah. know that that was him. Like, I don't know that Trevor Harris was exceptional in that year. I just have never genuinely believed. Like for a while, I thought that there was like sort of tier one. I mean, and there's a part of me that I will be honest with you that I've been too complimentary of the Stampeders. Normally, I'd say tier one is Bo, but like mm-hmm. I would have said for a couple of years that it was Bo and Riley, and then I think. For at least a year, Mazzoli got himself into that conversation. Uh, and you always had Ricky Rake. Like, they were in that second tier. Um, but I, I, I would have had Trevor Harris in that third tier the entire mm-hmm. time. I just – I never thought that he was winning you games. He was just competent enough to not lose you games. And I question whether he was that guy. Which was, yeah, which was good enough to win the East Division many years in a row, right? So Yeah. East was terrible. Like, we – <laughs> like this was legitimately terrible. Um, yeah. So, so I mean, it's, it's it's bizarre how it always happens that way. It's just it you know it makes no sense. It's like yeah. one well, side of the country versus the other. Like I'm not saying, but I don't know. I I think this is a really weird move, and I think Trevor Harris, like honestly, him getting dealt is good. It made a bunch of headlines yesterday. Got people talking. That's great. But I think we should acknowledge like. 
Trevor Harris, the name getting traded is a bigger deal, I think, than Trevor Harris, the player getting tra- traded. I don't, I don't think he, he's going to make that much of an impact um, on this race. Um, but maybe you get him in there and you just say, hey, we're running a basic offense for a little while. We're not asking you to do too much. Just, just get it together. Don't make mistakes. And the Alouettes defense, maybe they, they can carry them. I mean, there's, there's something there in Montreal. They're the most confusing team in the entire league. I was talking with Ryan Ballantyne and uh, Steph Hudson about this, and I was like, I don't know what they are. Like, they they could win the Great Cup. They could also not make the playoffs. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, yeah, they're a bizarre one, and uh, I don't think we got a real sense of, like, okay, if they're happy with Shills, why'd they make this move? But it's just like, just to have another veteran in there as a quarterback. But you would think, okay, we're just going to roll with the guy who's been here all year, even though he's a rookie. And um, it sounds like Vernon Adams Jr. is not coming back for a length of time anyway. So you're 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 kind of confused as to what what the thing is. And I saw some of the stuff about, well, how are they fitting everybody under the salary cap? I'm like, I don't. But like, it depends on how much. There's only so much money left to pay, right? So, hundred um, percent. And. Like, we can try to talk all day about whether this is a good decision or a bad decision. You know what's crazy? The 2019 Grey Cup. Hamilton's <laughs> starting quarterback goes in. They roll with the young guy. Winnipeg wins the Grey Cup. Their starting quarterback goes down, and they deal for the veteran with, like, a, a beat-up reputation who's but, got terrible injuries. So, like, this is the CFL. Either way works. I don't know what's the right call. <laughs> <laughs> if it if it works, it was the right call. If it doesn't work, it was not the right call. It's just there's a, you know how there's that a works. Yeah. record of success doing both. Yeah. And from everything you understand is like the Bombers were kind of reluctant to bring in Coloros at that time. And you're just like, okay, well, maybe we'll go with Strebler and see how that goes. And like that guy was just taking a beating every week by week. So <laughs> Like I remember when it happened, it was like, um, yeah, maybe if they need him, and then he becomes the starter, and then Strevler becomes the sidekick kind of thing, and and it worked, and Strevler goes to the NFL, and okay, you know what we should do? You're now our man, and then now he's now he's good. So until till he's not, who knows? The you know CFL, well, not like that. Sorry, what we, should, what we should do, and like we're not actually going to do this. I want to be clear. Let it be clear. <laughs> It's not actually the Elks play November 13th against the Riders, 16th, and then the 19th against the Lions. We should not watch any of the games, but record them and then just do a live podcast where we watch them back to back. So it's like nine hours of terrible football. (laughs) It sounds, can we at least fast forward through some of the two and outs and like, again? So that would bring it down to, that would probably cut about an hour and 15 minutes out. Yeah. So, I bet we could get it down to two hours a game. Um, I don't think we have enough listeners that we could make any money off for charity. <laughs> no. But, uh, <laughs> well, what's but, the over-under in those three games, Edmonton Elks punts? Because – or else – how many turnovers, turnovers on downs are they going to have? Because they're just going to go for it on every third down. Well, what's the point of – like, just keep going. Like, keep trying. It's, just, it's like – it was ridiculous that they had to play three games in six nights. Um when like we thought they were contenders, yes. the they have to play three games in six nights to end their season when they're out of playoff contention is insane. Yeah. Well, the the good thing is these guys will be every 
if you play all three games, you're cashing decent checks from that that week alone. Your pay period will be good. You'll get probably a higher tax bracket for it, so maybe it won't turn out that well. But it's, at, at what it's cost, be... though, is the damage to your body that is going to be done in those three games? I mean, we've we've gone through it. I still, like, I honestly think it's one of the most idiotic things that I've ever seen in my life. But they're, um, they're playing Saturday, so they have Sunday, Monday to recover. They play Tuesday in Toronto. They don't even have time to recover. They're going from Regina. They're going to fly from Regina on a Sunday, uh, have one day to rest rest in Toronto, play in Toronto on the Tuesday, then the next day fly to – or no, they're, they're going to stay in Hamilton. Okay. No, no, no. Sorry. They're flying home <laughs> the Wednesday. Uh, they've got Thursday to rest, and then they can play the BC – no, there's a flying to Vancouver. Holy crap. Wow. They go Regina – Toronto, Vancouver, in a span of seven days for three straight losses that will finish their season. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and thus ends the 2021 Edmonton Elks season. Not great. Uh, when they turned that name over, I was positive at the first game of the year, and it was like, oh, yeah, everybody's on board with the Elks thing, and it looks like the organization did a good job. And now... What a mess. What a disaster. People picked them to win the Grey Cup. Who did? Yeah, I know. I didn't. I don't need to name names, but people literally picked them to win the Grey Cup. And now they are going to play one of the most asinine stretches of football in CFL history. And that is saying so much. Yeah. Yeah. Just to recap. Game, travel day, rest. Game, travel day, rest. <laughs> last game of the year. And then they're going to be in Vancouver. They're going to fly home, pack their bags and head out for the year when, and it's going to be late too. It's going to be November 20th. That's usually the, they just get to play volleyball. <laughs> get to play volleyball. Yeah. They shouldn't have to play football. <laughs> just one of the games. The Argonauts. Volleyball net up at the mid midfield and be play 12 on 12 volleyball. So yeah, just do it. <laughs> With a football, of course. So, <laughs> see if any of those re receivers can keep it off the ground. Oh, we just. Anyway, uh, yeah, this uh, is looks like, you know, uh, a Thanksgiving or a, sorry, a Halloween matchup at, uh, or no, uh, pre-Halloween matchup, I guess. Saturday, October twenty-third, Saskatchewan versus Calgary. I think at the start of the year we thought that might be a good game. Um, it. It looks to me like that's whoever wins that game is going to win uh, second place and host the West semifinal. And that, because uh, the rest of the schedule looks favorable for the other two teams. So it's kitchen sink. You got to throw everything that you have at the stamps. You just have to. Um, and like the Riders need to win this game. Like the psychological damage that it will cause losing three games in a row to Calgary. Yeah. Um, like, well, and then, and then having to go back to Calgary for the West semifinal. That would be, yeah, it'd be way too much. And, like, you're seeing it already. Like, I mean, I saw, it, like, the lack of confidence that suddenly people have in this team because you haven't beat the Bombers and you haven't beat Calgary. Like, you haven't beat the teams that you're probably going to have to beat to make it to the Grey Cup. And, like, you'd sure as hell like that to be a home game, man. Um, you'd yeah. sure as hell like that to be a home game. But it's, uh, yeah, I mean, 
it's weird. I honestly, like, I think that the Stampeders, like, if they can get second, that's amazing. But, like, given where they were, ultimately, like, if you have to go on the road, you have to go on the road. Like, you still, you're still going to surprise a lot of people. It would be disappointing to lose this game. I don't think it would be crushing. You still took two out of three. You've won a bunch of games in a row here. For the Riders, losing, I think, like, it's season-defining. Yeah. It would be nice to know what the weather is going to be like on November 28th, but uh, we won't know that for a while. So, and Can I uh, – crap shoot. It's going to be shit. <laughs> you never know. It could be a nice, sunny, balmy, like, start out at, at 4 degrees, finish up at minus 8, and not be the complete and utter – catastrophe like it was in the 2019 west semifinal but only in calgary do people describe that weather as being like oh like beautiful (laughs) (laughs) it's good enough for me i like i I wouldn't want to you know i wouldn't want to one way or another i promise you that you'll what i'll be wearing a turtleneck okay well yeah you can wear you can pull the turtleneck off with your scarf and mitts um, and yeah, but you'll be sitting in the nice warm press box anyway. So I know. And you know what? Rumor is we may be going to in-person interviews sooner rather than later. Okay. Around the league. Hmm. It'll be that very would, interesting to see how that affects the way it's covered. Cause for some of us who are there at practice every day, it'll be better. But for people who have been relying on not being at practice, then it's going to be a whole lot worse. So, right. um, as someone <laughs> well, who has been complaining, you might actually be able to have a an actual conversation that someone doesn't uh, like listen in on and record. So, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> I mean, I've I've been fortunate enough just because I'm on the road to have actually like you run into some of the guys when you're in one of the smaller cities, whether that's Regina, whether that's but like, like man, like it's just nice to see some of these guys like you know you forget they may not be friends but like you've built personal relationships with some of these guys over you know a five-year stretch so um mm-hmm. good i will say it's wild every week now in the post game i ask bo a question and he one of the questions he responds with two words and then he goes let's fucking go and uh, i'm like i don't know why he does it to me but like <laughs> all his other answers are good and he just seems to like that's his new thing <laughs> Uh, is he is he trying to drop a bomb in there just so you can you have to bleep it out for the for the TV media has to bleep it out right so yeah, I think he's having a good time and uh, I don't mind it at all like it's good quotes and it's it's what the fans love and as you know part of this job is giving the fans what they want so good on Bo he's having fun um, and he's looking a lot better and um, I mean I tweeted about it this week but it's just so funny that like this guy had like the worst stretch of his career I had all these emails you know everyone questioning whether Bo's done. He's now like above 500 on the season. He's four and three as a starter on the season and is like fifth in the league in receiving yards. Like Bo's bad season is like, right. Is makes him a mediocre quarterback, like at, at worst, like <laughs> that's crazy. All right. Well, I'll let you go. Enjoy that uh, game on Saturday night at home. And uh, we will. what's that? Go vote. Oh, right. Yeah, I, I did uh, a while ago. So um, go vote for everyone in Alberta. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else is having municipal elections across the country. No, but, I think uh, yeah, I got to go. I got to go do that. So it's going to be an exciting afternoon. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Hopefully it's not too busy. I, I did it in the advanced poll and it took me about 10 minutes. So I can't uh, believe you're going to do the advanced poll. You forgot? Yeah, I just, well, I mean, like when I have those weeks where it's, I'm in Saskatchewan, I get back on Sunday night and then right. I have three days. And on the Wednesday night, I have to be packing to go to Vancouver the next day. Um, mm. And then I check the weather after already packing and I realize that it's literally going to rain every minute that I'm in Vancouver and I have to <laughs> repack because of that. <laughs> I just ran out of time. Didn't do the advance voting. Well, and it, as I, you, I used to travel to Vancouver and then I go, Oh, what a surprise. It's raining. And Lowell Ulrich would always say to me, well, surprising. It was so nice yesterday. And I'm like, I hate you, Lowell. I hate you so much. And I was like, <laughs> cause it's always raining in, in Vancouver. It's always raining in Vancouver. Every it's always sunny in Philadelphia, but it's always raining in Vancouver. So. Yeah, I mean, there was like a rainfall warning when I got there. They were like, the next. And everyone was like, well, it's not normally like this. I was like, hey, you guys, I, I've been here 17 straight road trips and it's always raining. <laughs> not raining in July. Um, yeah. I mean, great. Well, I, went there, I went there in July of 2020 for a, a quick birthday trip because we couldn't go anywhere else. It rained. Like, let's be honest. I'm just trying to, I mean, I'm, like, I've been there a couple times when it's nice, but fall is just, like, it was so much. Like, it was raining hard. Anyways, no one really cares about the weather in Vancouver. Um, no. Like, it's always that thing where, like, just me being from Toronto, it's like, when I'm in Calgary, I'm from Toronto. When I'm anywhere else, I'm from Calgary. And, like, <laughs> I'm, like, walking around Vancouver being, like, you know, minus 30 with, with blue skies is better than this. Um, mm -hmm. Second is <laughs> minus 30 here. I'm, like, why do I live here? Like, <laughs> Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, you're at home this week and you're going back to Vancouver in three weeks. So we may have to grab a drink at some time, Moldy and Busby. Okay. Uh, my weeknights are a little more free now, but my weekends are busy. So yeah. we're at uh, 3 30 to 4 30 on a Monday afternoon. We're both free. What a, what a joy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then we better be get going and you guys, you got to vote before get in it before the polls close. So. I just want to get in there before everyone else is off work. Yes. So yeah. it's it's 420 now. Uh, you can head there right now. Um, don't stop for your other thing before you're doing that. Okay. Peace.